I bet off more than I could chew this weekend. Uh, our teaching philosophy is I teach a Bible book expository. That means we see what the author's intention is and preach from that. So we did that for a few weeks with Philippians. Then the other things that we're going to be doing is we grow you uh, discipleship-wise. We help you grow spiritually as your understanding of who God is. So at times we'll sometimes teach about uh, the Old Testament. We spoke about Rahab last week. Other times we might teach in relation to theology. Woo! And it's the Trinity for the next three weeks. Why? I bit off more than I could chew. Uh, I thought today I could set up with the Trinity because it's such an easy subject and then teach about the Father in about 30 minutes. And at around 6 o'clock last night in the church office as I was wrestling a printer that wasn't working, so a whole host of things, I thought, I really have been dumb. Um, but I'm, my aim today as I teach is set up the Trinity in a, as basic a way as possible, but without missing out any of the reality of it. So I don't want to say, hey, the Trinity, three and one, just trust me. Uh, so I want to set it up and then at the same time set us up to, for today and the next two weeks where we hear about the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I am going to pray that you uh, get spoken to by God, that he takes my words, changes them, and makes them make sense, and so you can understand who he is better. So will you bow your heads as I lead us in prayer. Father God, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself to us. Lord, there's an element of you that is a mystery, and yet you can be known. Father, I pray as we uh, look at Scripture and as I teach, Lord, you take what I have to say and turn it into something <laughs> memorable, Lord God. Turn it into something that's beautiful in its simplicity, just as you are. But we don't take away any of the reality uh, where there's a complexity as well. And Father, I pray that secondly, that through our time together, we'd understand that you are a loving Father. That's at the core of your identity as well. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Right. You've got handouts today. That's the first time it's probably ever going to happen. Because as I was preparing yesterday, I thought, there's so many Bible verses. Um, I don't want to bamboozle you with Bible verses. Like, here's another, here's another, here's another. Read them all, and then no one have a clue what I was talking about. So these are for you to take home and understand some of the concepts of the Trinity. And if you want to look at them uh, biblically, you can check them there. I will touch upon a couple of them. My first introduction to the Trinity, uh, first time I used the word, I was 26. So I came to faith on the 11th of February, 2003. I was 26, never heard the gospel. I was in Cambridge in England. And there was an outreach event. And they were talking about who Jesus was. And then we went into a small group session around a table. They said, does anyone have any questions? I was all quiet, and I'm usually the one that asks the dumb question. And I said, what's the Trinity? Is that Catholic? Um, that was the extent of my knowledge. Uh, they kind of politely answered it. But I went into it thinking, I have no idea what the Trinity is. And even if I don't fully understand what the Trinity is, that doesn't completely matter. I want 
God, uh, the Trinity back on stage of the site. Uh, as I've grown in my walk, uh, I've realized that understanding the Trinity is understanding the very essence of God. Now, understanding that God is a Trinity is not what gives us salvation. However, every heresy, every non-Christian that pretends to be Christian heresy has a false view of the Trinity, whether it's a false view of God the Holy Spirit, whether it's a false view of Jesus, whether it's a false view of God the Father. Heresies are based on a false understanding of Scripture. So I found this quote, and it feels uh, accurate. It says, the Trinity, try to explain it, and you'll lose your mind. But try to deny it, and you'll lose your soul. Um, I'm hoping your heads don't explode. I'm going to make it as simple as possible. Uh, God is a mystery. So if you're ever going through a crisis, someone will come up to you and say, God moves in mysterious ways, as if that's a satisfactory band-aid. The reality is God is a mystery. And that means that we'll never fully understand him unless he reveals something about himself to us. So even Jesus, people had a view of a Messiah. We didn't fully understand that he was going to die on the cross until God reveals it to us. It's the same with Trinity. We're going to look at the Trinity handout now. Uh, I try to condense all of my teaching into one sentence. <laughs> and here goes. Oh, brother. Um, it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to mention it twice. This is what I want you to walk away with. God is an eternal, loving union of three. Okay, that's my setup of the Trinity. God is an eternal, loving union of three. And then a bit that I'm going to teach on in a bit, and then the next couple of weeks is each one, whether Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, represents that God is love in a different way. Okay, so God is a loving, eternal union of three. And each one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, represents that God is love in a different way. God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit represent it in a different way. So you go away with anything, that's going to be a good one. Uh, as we look at the sheet, I'm going to do a quick kind of overview. Uh, as we're looking at the biblical witness for the Trinity. So there's page here, there's indications of plurality of God in the Old Testament. It doesn't say the word Trinity in the Old Testament. It does use us language at different points in the Old Testament. So as a tension, it says God is one in the Old Testament. At the same time, it sometimes uses the word us to describe God. You can research some of these later on, but Genesis 1, 26 says, let us make man in our image. And then after Adam falls, it says man, uh, the man has become like one of us, like knowing good and evil. Uh, in Genesis, it says, come, let us. That's God speaking. So there's keep this continual, like there seems to be more than one. Uh, in Isaiah 6, 8, God again says, who will go for us? Uh, so there's a tension. It's like there's a pluralness to God revealed in the Old Testament. There's also a hint, not fully revealed, but there's a hint that God may have separate parts. In Psalm 110, 
1, and this is a psalm that Jesus quotes to show that he is God. Uh, psalm David says, the Lord says to my Lord. So there's two, two kind of lords there, two divine beings. And Isaiah 63, 1, uh, talking about uh, people moving out of a relationship with God. And in doing that, it says, and the people grieved his Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, God is not fully revealed yet, but it gives us a sense of us. There's a plurality and also a, a hint that there is a separateness to God. The New Testament gives God in high definition. So the Old Testament is not in contradiction to the New Testament. The Old Testament uh, gives you like a foreshadowing. Imagine, if you will, watching TV. Uh, if you grew up like I did 20 years ago, TV was largely blurry. So you still see the image, you still see the TV shows. If you now go to Best Buy and get yourself a 70-inch 4D high-definition TV, you can see the same thing, but a whole lot better. And I'm getting commissions. If you want a Best Buy voucher afterwards, come and see me. Uh, so the Old Testament gave you... A good view of God, but not the crystal clear view. And the New Testament gives you that crystal clear view. And so it is with the Trinity. Uh, the baptism of Jesus. Uh, Jesus comes up out of the water. And the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus sees the spirit descend upon him like a dove. In the Great Commission, he said it in the same text here, Matthew 28, 19. The Great Commission is go and make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. He says, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So at the start of Jesus' ministry, Trinity message. At the end of Jesus' ministry, Trinity message. Isn't something that kind of he accidentally said in the middle. It's really important to understand God. At the end of Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives this benediction. You may hear it sometimes in the Catholic Church. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. See, there's another Trinitarian view. I'm going to read two now to you also. Uh, Ephesians uh, verses four, chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. You can get your Bibles out or open up your smartphones. Follow along with me. If I see you holding it horizontally with two thumbs and I hear level up, you're probably in the wrong app. Uh, so Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Listen to the Trinity here. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all in all. There's like a oneness and a threeness there. Also in 1 Peter, verse 1, chapter 2. So Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. This is what he says about understanding Jesus and who God is. Uh, it's a letter uh, from Peter, chap uh, chapter 1, verse 2. He says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And finally, Jude, shortest book of the Bible, verses 20 and 21. Uh, there's another continuation that there are an indication of the Trinity in the New Testament. 
everyone following and loving with me so far. Like I've heard pastors should get a, a catchphrase. Um, I grew up in a church. I went to a church. The pastor said, get it. People say, got it. A couple of people who do the snare drum here say, good. I thought I've got my own one. Um, I really like Austin Powers. So, ooh, behave. Would that be good? Okay, never mind. Anyway, following along with me, there are three truths to the Trinity. <laughs> That's so wrong on every level. Uh, there are three truths to the Trinity. There is one God. Okay, one God. And we see that in Deuteronomy, Isaiah, 1 Timothy, Romans. You see that in the, the scripture verses there. So the Bible says there's one God. The Bible also says that God is three persons. Uh-huh. So another way of saying it is God is one essence. God is one essence, but three people make up that essence. Ooh, behave. No, okay. Um, but the three people are different. So God the Father is not God the Son. And God the Father and God the Son are not God the Holy Spirit. And you can see the texts there. So there is one God, one essence. There are three people that make up this God of one essence. And then the really confusing bit where your head will just go boom. Uh, each person is fully God. That's the bit that you're just going to lose. <laughs> each person, God is one essence. There are three people, and each one of those is fully God. So, ah. Uh, here's a mystery. I wish I could fully explain that. I can't. But what I will tell you is I am quite grateful that my brain, which is in creation, cannot fully understand God who is outside creation. Does that make sense? If I was going to make the Trinity up, I would make something up a whole lot easier for people to understand. And yet God reveals that he's the Trinity, and he wants us to know that. I'm sorry I can't explain it better. There's one God, three people, and each one is fully God. This is where we come to analogies and where they fall short. I think you're still tracking with me. Hands up if you're awake. Hands up. Oh, thank you. Uh, could you wake the slide person up? Uh, here's the analogies that don't work. They work in that they help you understand it a bit, but when it comes to that each one is fully God, they fall short. Have you heard the analogy of God's like a hand? So there's one hand. But it has three parts to it. It has a palm, it has a thumb, and it has fingers. Pretty good, except the fingers aren't fully the hand. The palm isn't fully the hand. The thumb isn't fully the hand. Another one that people say is an egg. Think of God being like an egg. So there's an egg, but there's three parts to it. There's the shell, there's the albumen, that is the correct way to pronounce it, and there's a yolk in the middle. So there's one egg, but there's three parts. Again, it falls short because the shell is not fully the egg. The yolk is not fully the egg. The albumen is not fully the egg. The best one I've heard, but still falls short, is music. <laughs> I was going to give an analogy, and I asked Greg 
uh, and I'm thankful I did because he let me know I've got a lot of things wrong. Uh, if you play three keys, they can make up one chord. Why I like this, if you play three keys, they can make a beautiful, harmonious chord. Now, each one of those keys isn't a chord, but it represents that beauty and harmony and creative aspects of the Trinity. Woo-wee. Right. I, that, that's all of my energy gone. I'm now going to go a little bit deeper into the Trinity, the final bit. We need to understand the Trinity because the Trinity is what makes God love. So without the Trinity, God is not love. With the Trinity, God is love. So God is of one essence. People say God is love. But without the Trinity, he wouldn't really be love. Difficult, but you understand that basic thing. Without the Trinity, there is no God is love. That's why it's important to know. So God is a loving union of three. It starts with the Father. God, at his very essence, is a loving Father. And he's so beautiful. He's so good. He's so creative. He is life, and he has the source of life, that all of his goodness and beauty bubbles up and creates the sun. Now, he's not loved after he creates the sun. He didn't need to create the sun to think, hey, I'm a good dad. It's just part of who he is. So very, very beginning, God in his identity as a loving father, that creative goodness love just overflows like a waterfall. And it overflows into the sun. Jesus himself says, and his disciples must have been thinking, what were you meaning? Uh, Jesus himself says this in, let me find it, I think John 17, 24. Right, let's have a go. John 17, 24. Uh, Jesus has had the Last Supper. He's praying for his disciples. He's about to be fully revealed as God the Son who shows love through sacrifice. About to be revealed that, and he says in John 17, 24, he's praying to God the Father. He says, Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me. And here it is, because you loved me before the creation of the world. If you understand God is three in one, starts off with the Father, creative, beautiful, loving, it kind of overflows into the sun. And then the spirit is a bit like the chicken and the egg. What happens? The spirit is part of this loving union. So the spirit makes the son adore the father. And the spirit makes the father adore the son. So before creation, before we came into existence, there is this ongoing loving union of three. They each delight in each other. So people say, what was God doing before creation? The Trinity says he was enjoying himself. Genuinely, like, I, I am love and beauty, and not in a vain way, 
But I am enjoying all of this goodness as uh, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So God is this loving union of three. It overflows. God at his very essence is love. I'm going to repeat the main point again, uh, largely for my own sanity. So God is an eternal loving union of three. And each person, Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, represents that God is loved in a different way. The Father represents that he is loved primarily through creation. Now, I recommend uh, digging in deeper. Systematic theologies help. You don't need master's levels one. This is a good one, Wayne Gruden Bible Doctrine. Uh, it will show you that the Holy Spirit creates. It will show you that the Son creates. But the Father really demonstrates love through creation. The Son really demonstrates love through salvation. So if you really want to see God, theologians will say, when he's hanging on the cross, that sacrificial love, taking the punishment we all deserve, that's where you're really seeing God the Son. Now the Holy Spirit sacrifices as well. Like God is losing his son. He's being without his son for a period of time. The Holy Spirit's making a sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is holy, and he comes to live in me, a sinner. He has to put up with all of my thoughts, all of my quirks, that's a pretty big sacrifice. And finally, the Holy Spirit shows that God is love by giving of himself to us. So Jesus gives of himself to us. God the Father gives us love and gives of himself to us. But the Spirit is the one who lives in us. So God is a loving union of three. And we're now going to look at God the Father. And he shows that fatherly love through creation. Uh, hands up if you're somewhat following me. I try to make it as a woo. Mm, we have a smart room in here. Uh, I'm going to go now go into the loving father. As I was preparing this, uh, I was reminded of my own dad. He visited last weekend. I see him once a year, once every two years, based in England. Uh, as I was working through this, I want to tell uh, I want to tell people the facts about God, the loving Father. And I felt God say to me, well, well, who do you say I am? And I could tell you lots of facts about my dad, Kevin Doyle, or I could just tell you what I know about Kevin Doyle. So I'm going to try and get that balance here. I'll give you some details about God, the loving Father. I'm also going to tell you what I know about him as a loving Father. <sighs> Is the coffee full? I am going to need one later on. So God in his key identity is a loving father. The very essence of God is this loving union of three. But the very first part of that loving union of three is a loving father. So God creates the world as a loving father. God rules over us as a loving father. The harmony that God experiences in the Trinity 
is represented by the harmony we have in nature. Now, obviously, the world is fallen, and so we don't always have harmony, as we'll see with the crisis in India. But God created creation, and it was good. And he is committed in the fullness of time to making it good again. And he wants us to be on that journey with him. So God is very essence, is loving father. Loving father as a creator. That means, in relation to God, we are beloved. That sounds nice in an English accent. We are beloved. Darling, when I first came to faith, I heard I was made in God's image. I said, ah, is he a guy? Did he have a big nose? Did he have bushy eyebrows? I then found out being made in God's image means we're here to represent his kingdom on earth. When I put my faith and trust in him, someone said to me, you have just become God's child, Andrew. You've been adopted into his family. Whoa. But I did not like myself. I had addictions, a whole load of... <laughs> character defects, some of which I still have, less visible, but there is a, when you really know yourself, you really know that you can't earn your way into God's favor. And so it blew my mind that God loved me just the way I was. He's a loving father, and I'm now his son. Whoa. But for then, for a few years, I behaved as if uh, I was a son, and I can't earn my father's approval. Over my Christian walk, 15 years now, I've realized through the hardest times, whether I feel I'm in love with God or not, whether my situation shows whether God is a loving father or not, I've learned that his fundamental identity is he is love. And so my fundamental identity is that I am beloved. That's so much better than just being a child. Does that make sense? So, Jesus is, God says to Jesus, here is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God sees each one of you like he saw Jesus coming out of that water. Think about that for a minute. Before Jesus did any ministry, he was the object of the Father's affection. Before you've done anything, any of the good works you were saved for, you are the object of your loving Heavenly Father's affection. God is a loving Father. He's a trinity of love. And we are beloved. That changes everything. They say that spiritual formation, when you really grow spiritually, it looks like being more and more in love with God, the loving Father. And love is what transforms. So when I first heard God loved me, even as an addicted jerk, um, he loved me like, what in the world is that? It just started changing me. I can't explain how, but his love made my life different. So spiritual growth looks like understanding we're beloved, but desiring to spend more time with God as our loving father. The more time we spend with God as our loving Father, the more we'll receive his very essence, which is love, and the more we will grow spiritually and want to share his love with others. The less time we spend with God's loving Father, we kind of forget how good it is. 
and we don't spiritually grow as much. We're not as good representations of him. We become really religious. Now, good theology matters. It's heresy if you don't understand Trinity. But if we're highly religious and we say to someone, great, God loves you. Put your faith and trust in him. Now do this, 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 and be good. Don't be bad. We've kind of added a whole lot of stuff there. What we could say is God loves you. Through Christ, he's invited you into this eternal love relationship with him and spend more time with him. You will love him back and you will love other people as you love yourself. And you will grow and you'll want to do good things. Do you see how that's different? So God as love transforms us. Uh, final bit, when, it was, when uh, God was preparing this message, the thought kept coming to me, like, do you believe this, Andy? Am I a good father? And at times I have not believed that. When I've been really suffering or when I've seen, when I've done children's funerals, that's a time when you're thinking, God, are you really good? But I do believe that at the moment. I believe that God is a loving father. And I believe that when he, uh, his providence is as a loving father. So there's a situation that's really difficult. I don't understand it. I have learned enough to know. I've seen that he doesn't waste those difficult situations. I have seen that it works out for good for those who love him. I don't have all the answers now, but I know he is a loving father. I don't see that in high definition yet, but I'm really looking forward to the time I do. Two applications. Uh, one is be loving. The second one is my own application. Uh, very unbiblical, but there we go. Uh, as I think of God loving me, I want to rebel against that. I think as a loving father, I don't deserve his love. It's almost like, do you ever get the box of matches? And they're the worst, they're the cheapest type. But if you, they fold them over and you have to pull the little match out and half of them work, half of them don't. That's me wanting to be old Andy, thinking I am still not who I want to be yet. I am still not fully in love with you, loving father. I'm still not looking like Jesus. And I try and light this match of self-doubt, self-loathing. Is God real? It's like rain, like a monsoon rain of God's love comes down at different points. And I'm trying to light this match. And I can huddle over it, get it lit for a second, and then this drenching rain of grace just puts it completely out. God is that loving God who wants to drench you with his grace. He wants to drench each one of us with his love. He wants to drench Chicago with his love. He wants an end to the gun violence. He wants the children who have had all of that trauma that we can't even comprehend the stuff they are seeing. He wants to drench them with his grace, draw them into that loving relationship with him. And every time they try and light that angry match of, I don't deserve you, God, he's going to just extinguish it. And what I've learned is the more I try and reject God's love, the wetter the matches get. And I eventually just go, okay, I don't fully get it. Um, your love, I, you're still a mystery. 
but I'm going to have to accept this because every time I try and fight against it, you love me more. Remember that image. You may have heard this text at weddings. Be loving is an application this week. It's simple because God as love is simple. It's complex because God as love is complex. I'm going to read from you 1 Corinthians 13. This is a tremendous way when we receive God's love to show that love with others. This is what it looks like. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 7. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Put your name where it says love now. Love is patient. This is who God wants you to be. This is who God wants me to be. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. The Trinity part of this, the Apostle Paul didn't fully understand who God was. Now, God fully knows us, but over time, only when we meet God, the loving Father, face to face, will we fully understand him. Okay? So I may have a view that God's love, but I really don't know the full beauty of it yet. And so he says this, when we're with God face to face, all of the stuff here in our local church that we have to build up our faith doesn't matter anymore. We're with God's presence. There are no pastors, thank God, in heaven. Uh, You'll just go, there he is, I'm irrelevant. Uh, So here we go. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, that means two interpretations. The most, uh, the most, the one I hold to is that means when Christ comes. There's another one uh, where cessationists that don't believe in the ongoing nature of the spiritual gifts say, oh, that means the holy canon of scripture. Some people hold to that. Uh, I definitely don't. Uh, When Jesus comes again, so here. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. This is the mystery part. When I was a child, which we are, uh, of God, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me, growing up in the faith. This is what Paul says about God, and this is why we can relax in the Trinity. He says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Like there's still this mystery part. Then he goes on to say, then we shall see face to face. You're not going to need me going up here saying, he is a loving father, I promise you. You will see him 
experience that and delight in that fraternity. Uh, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, will know God fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest because it is the essence of God. Love is the greatest because we're not going to need faith when we're with God. We're not going to need hope when we're with God. We're going to be with God. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. I'm going to pray that we encounter God as a loving father. We represent God to others through loving actions. And that our God will become the object of our affections more and more and more. And the more time we spend in his love, the better we can be at sharing his love. So we bow your heads as I pray, and then please stand. Uh, come forwards if you want someone to pray for you. Uh, if you want to encounter the love of God through prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Let's bow our heads as I pray. Father God, thank you that you are love. There is a mystery to you, and that yet there's this beautiful simplicity to you. You're a loving father, which means you create as a loving father, which means you rule as a loving father. Help us to enjoy and feed on your love more and more and more. And in return, love others like we love ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.